Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? What's going on, everybody? Mike Tipton hanging out with you here on another Sun City Story. It is part two of my conversation with my dude, Pooh Hef. Before we get into that, I want to let you know about what we're doing over here with the Alzheimer's Association in West Texas. We have the longest day coming up, and we would appreciate if you go ahead and sign up over there, act.alz.org, and just click on the longest day tab. It'll take you where you need to go. The longest day is a peer-to-peer do-it-yourself fundraiser, and that means we're turning your favorite hobby into a way to raise money. It could be anything from having a little lemonade stand, like what I'm doing with my kids, to even a big, huge event, a golf tournament, anything like that. Everything in between is a great idea for a fundraiser for the longest day. For more information, visit us online, act.alz.org, and click on the longest day icon. It'll take you there. It'll get you all the information you need to get your team registered today. On this episode of Sunset Stories, once again, it is part two of my conversation with my guy, Pooh Hef, who I am so grateful for. He spent so much time with me uh, on the day that we recorded the episode. This part of it is actually really interesting because we kind of used each other as a bit of a therapy couch, and, and we kind of joked about it there towards the end, but we talk about, you know, being in radio. We talk about, of course, the comment section. We talk about his podcast, The Pooh Hef Show, and, of course, The Gecko Bros Radio. We, we get into a little bit of the details on, you know, his radio career. It's just such a great listen. Once again, if you can, go follow him if you're not already doing it on Instagram at ibpoohef. Check out Gecko Bros Radio. I can't wait for that to relaunch and doing all the fun stuff with that as well. And I can't wait to have my dude Pooh have joined me again. So maybe we could talk sports. Maybe we could do a little crossover episode, things like that. Be on the lookout for that as well. But without any further ado, part two with my dude Pooh have. You're doing your podcast. I'm sure you've got a lot of people that are still tuning into your podcast. And you'll say something and it gets into your DMs or it gets into your mentions, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, they uh, they get stuck on red. They'll see that I read it, and then that's it. You know, I won't. Well, I don't engage. I'll just be like, well, I want you to know I read it. I'll let you know. Yeah, I read that stupid stuff you wrote, but <laughs> I won't engage on it. Like, there's just nothing to engage, especially like with me. I deal with a lot of uh, rappers here, and they're probably the most emotional creatures out. Or worse than sports fans. Like one day they're cool, the next day they're angry. You know, they go through like you swear they're bipolar, and I just stop engaging with them. And I don't think they know how to react off of that. You know, because I'll keep it moving. Like if you ever see my posts, I don't dwell on any posts. I just say what I say and keep it moving. Like it's not. I don't dwell on anything. Like the thing yesterday, what happened with that little that young boy in that neighborhood, you know, that was a bad situation and you had to provide context. So all I did was provide context. People shared it, but it, uh, they, they didn't, when they shared it, they were like, oh my God, like people were genuinely angry about the situation. Well, today I hadn't talked about nothing. I say, oh, I'm gonna be on uh, Mike Tipton's show. Like that was it. Like I didn't even go back to yesterday because you showed your disgust. I don't need to, dwell on it no more because you already showed your disgust that was the emotion i wanted to provoke because it's bad you get what i'm saying yeah. and but i'm not going to dwell on it i think that's what a lot of the ex people on radio and uh podcasts kind of get messed up at is the fact that dwelling like i've heard episodes you know eminem came out with a record back in i think 2002 i think it was the record after the high, my name is, and he talked about all the stuff his mom did and all that stuff. And it was a deep story. Problem was, the reason why I stopped being an Eminem fan, because the next three albums after that talked about the same thing. I was like, oh, I, I got what you were saying the first time. I understand that. You're still mad about it. You need, might need to go to counseling. Because you're, you're talking about the same subject on every album. Well, people are the same way. The people, that are on radio that I listen to that are, they'll, they'll revisit. And the only time I feel like you should revisit a story if, it, if it's still ongoing, you know, like the the shopping case. I hadn't watched any of it. I haven't watched any of it. 
I was like, well, we saw the video. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, that's open and shut. I don't have no idea why this trial is going on like OJ. So I'm like, okay, I already, I already know what's going to happen with this. And it's going to cause a riot. And it's going to be bad. And at this point, I don't have to talk about it anymore. Because mm-hmm. people already have their idea about it. Yeah. You know, the only thing you can do is just report it and say, you know, today, uh, there was a huge riot, blah, blah, blah. And then you can go on to the next story. I did a my last, our last episode uh, when DMX passed away, that all of us were like kind of hurt by it. So it was real somber in the beginning. But the funniest thing was we did our talk about it. And then we just went into news. Uh, my wife, boom, and started talking about uh, colleges uh, teaching cannabis classes. <laughs> like <laughs> it was night and day. And then after that, Mark reviewed a record from Redman. Like it was like night and day. We didn't visit. We said what we had to say. We kept it moving. We, we gave the information for people that deal with mental illness or suicide or any of that stuff. We 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 posted that information. <clears throat> it's up to you to take it. Can't make it, so I'm not going to dwell on it. Yeah, and and that that's the best thing. Like like I equated a lot to sports, right? Because that's where like my background is. You right. have to have a short memory. You miss a free throw, you can't sit there worrying about the free throw, right? Like you just go out and make the next one like it's, right. it's really that simple right yep that's it and, uh that was my life like I, I played basketball my whole life before radio and that that's the number one thing i had some pretty good coaches and they would tell me they're like so what you missed that shot so what so what that dude scooped you up it happens you know it happens to the best of them they would show me a video uh when uh I remember they showed a video of Jordan getting crossed up from Iverson. And uh, I was like, oh, dang, like, he broke Jordan's ankles, man. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, oh, it does happen to the best of them. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. It's, 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 it's just the way that you perceive things that, you know, that, um, that keeps you uh, coherent as far as when you look at topics and you look at storylines or you look at your storyboard and what you're going to talk about. You can't, you can't dwell on that last story because you have so much other stuff to talk about. So what was it that made you want to start like going the podcast route? Like, like, because podcasting is so different than radio because you're so much more free. Right. So what was it that made you say, okay, this is what I want to start doing now. Actually, we started our podcast while I was at 104 back in 2012. Uh, Mark X and I started, it wasn't even, a, we didn't even know what a podcast was. We were just doing a show and uh, it was a video show. And uh, the thing about Mark and my, myself is that we argue a lot. And that's where everything was great about it. So we argued so much that people just loved it. So I didn't really look at it as a podcast. I always looked at it as an independent show because it had nothing to do with my show on the air. And I felt like I had people that listened to that to that show online, and then I had people that listened to me on the air. So to me, I always thought it was still separate because I was able to cuss. I was able to do this. I was able to be me. And I think that's like that was the whole Manny Rich concept was like, oh, okay, this is you, you know? And in the radio, you could tell the difference between the radio and me because I had to put on an act. Whenever you talk about like the the act and like doing radio and doing all that stuff, what? Because like for me, when it, whenever and people don't realize this about me, like I'm an introvert, like 100. I'm an introvert. I don't like being around a whole bunch of people. Maybe it's like the military background, the youngest of 11, so maybe it's just being in a house that was so crowded all the time uh-huh. that like I, I just don't like being around people. But whenever I start doing like the radio show, you have to be extroverted like you got to be turned up a little bit to like you know 10 or 11 so that way people can actually kind of enjoy the 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 act whenever you do the character like how 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 far up are you turning that up to and is it hard for you to like dial it back uh i wouldn't call myself an introvert but i do have unbelievable stage fright uh i've always had it and i just have to deal with it and I, i deal with it even with radio I dealt with it like it's it's stressful. Um, 
So what I did, which I don't suggest anybody doing, <laughs> the beginning of my career, I, I was drunk 90% of the time. And the reason why I was drunk wasn't because I drank. I drank because that was when I was more open, like in public. So when I, I mean, like remotes, remotes are remotes. No, like, like that's cool to be around regular people that um, just want to hang out. But like concerts, uh, hosting gigs, it, it takes a lot out of me, you know? And then, so I used to drink. Everybody used to get mad at me because I would always have people that know me that ever, ever seen me with a picture. The majority of my pictures, I had a big gulp in my hand. I wasn't drinking soda. <laughs> now, here's the funniest part. DMX, well, DMX came to Power Jam. He had this water bottle. Sort of like this. He had a water bottle. And I was in the back with him before he got out. And I was sitting there with the the, the, clip, the Rough Rider clip and all that. And I was just sitting there. And uh, so I had to go introduce DMX. And so I go out there and introduce him. He gets on stage. But his voice was so raspy like mine. Uh, it just bottled water, but it wasn't water. It was tequila. He ends up telling me at the after party. Because I said, you sure do drink a lot of water. He's like, it ain't water. It's tequila because it keeps my energy at a pace. That's why I drink tequila. I drink my drink of choice when I have to work or do anything. I drink tequila. I drink 1800. I don't even drink Patron. I drink like, I, I don't even, well, I don't drink bottom shelf and I don't drink the top, top shelf because I don't believe in acting like I'm, I'm balling or anything, but I drink what I like as far as tequila. And it worked my whole career. You can ask anybody I work with. They used to just look at me and they're like, but I was able to, I still was able to hold my composure. I was able to talk because I, I, I used to have a problem with losing my voice. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to smoke. I used to smoke cigarettes. Uh, and it was, you know, people that smoke cigarettes, man, know that, you know, you have like, like right now I'm battling COPD. So, there's a lot of issues with that and, you know, short of breath and you have to talk louder than, you know, sometimes, and I'm not one of those guys that yells, Hey, turn my mic up. I don't do that. So I just get louder. I don't, you know, so I don't want to say I'm an introvert because I figured out how to get past it, but I know I'm not an extrovert either. Like if you told me real split, if you told me coming over to my house, to watch a sporting event versus going out watching that same sporting event, I'm choosing my house. I'm not going out. Yeah. Just because I get nervous. So I don't know if that's the same way with you. Like I get really nervous and I get nervous around people. Sometimes it has to do with, I talk so much crap. I don't know if somebody's plotting. I don't know. So it's kind of hard for me to be around people I just don't know. Like I literally have to be around a group of people that I've known for at least 20 years you know that's just how it, that's just how it works but i don't know if it's an intro or extra situation so i don't want to i don't want to put it on me to say that uh because i do like i do have certain mental health issues that i don't share with people and i don't know if it attributes to that uh, I, I i barely started uh opening up about that as well so I, I don't know. It could be numbers of things that, you know, attributes to why I don't like people. Well, see, whenever, whenever you say that, I think like a lot of parallels, right? Because like that, that's what we do is we think about things we compare them to like what it is that we do. Yeah. And for me, a lot of people didn't understand this, but even, even though, you know, I was, I've, I've been up to ESPN and like I, I had my show and I was doing that the reason why we always did like little beer shows and like little wine shows. And like, we're going to talk about this liquor and this and that was yeah. to help calm my nerves. Right. But like, like I, I am a very, like, like I got high levels of anxiety and I'm kind of like you in this aspect of like, I don't share a whole bunch of it until recently uh -huh. because I, I'm a veteran. I, I suffer from PTSD. I suffer from uh, uh, bipolar disorder and manic depression. So I, that's, that's a thing that I've had to come to terms with, with myself. Right. Right. Because, whenever you know it that's whenever you can like attack it you can you can learn how to live with it right right 
So for me, what I did is I basically apologized to a bunch of people. I don't know why, like I felt the need that I needed to apologize because I was like, look, if, if I wasn't what you thought I was going to be, I'm sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is who I am. You got to accept it or move the fuck on. Like, like that, that's really the, the way that I looked at it. So whenever you say that stuff, it kind of opened my eyes to a little bit of that as well. I did that. I, 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 uh, I did it twice. Um, one, uh, the, the day before I got married, I apologized to everybody for the type of person I was. And it was, I just felt that I needed to do it. And then again, when I was done with radio, I explained kind of like what I'm doing right now, uh, what type of person I am. I never spoke on, like, I do have high anxiety, like, it's, but I never wanted to identify it, I think. So, you know, you, you know, my era, you don't talk about stuff like that. You just bury it, like, hence the drinking, you know, when you drink. Uh, when I got real sick, I, I held back from drinking. I drink on the weekends because I feel like that's my out. But as far as, I mean, I was drinking on, like, I would come to the radio station either high off a of week or I was drunk. And the good thing was I didn't slur, you know, so you couldn't tell what was wrong with me. But I never, I, I just never felt the need to talk about stuff like that because it was real feminine at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I saw my wife go through some things and then I saw my daughter go through some things. And I was like, I, I forced them to try to like talk to me. And so they were like, well, you need to do, you know, follow your own advice. They, they knew something was wrong with me. They just couldn't identify it. Mm-hmm. And so that that's cool that you uh, recognize the fall. And, and the sad part is, man, if you look at the history of, of radio, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of these jocks have problems, man. You know, not everybody's like Ryan Seacrest or not everybody's like, you know, you know, some of these uh, people out here that are syndicated, there's really DJs out there that have really, really bad problems. And the thing is, without educating, like, you know, the fact of getting that, uh, insurance, getting health insurance, you know, that's important. Um, you have to get some kind of insurance, even like I never wanted to talk to a psychiatrist. I finally, I finally went and talked to one. It didn't like per se help me but i got a lot of stuff off my chest that i no longer think about so that was cool but it didn't do anything but i know it could help some people and i think that you people don't understand the stuff that uh radio even you know me i'm more aggressive than you but you still go you were going through the same thing you get what i'm saying so it's like it it doesn't matter what kind of like show you put on for people. It's what you go home to at the end. There was times that I didn't even want to come home. You know what I'm saying? And I would just I'd figure out stuff to do in the radio station. I wouldn't come home till like three or four in the morning, but my show ended at 11. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, there's stuff when you look at loneliness and I'm married, <laughs> but there's, you know, it's not the type of loneliness as people think like it's like, you're just sitting in a glass house, man, and it's it's just real crazy. And 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 people don't want to understand that that's the problem or identify it as the problem. So I feel being open, finally being open with it, would be able to start context. I did a record called "Fighting Tim Fighting uh, Depression," and it was about a war that I had with my own family, and. Uh, People understood it, and I was like, "Wow!" So I thought I was the only one doing it, you know what I'm saying? But no, people understood the record because they were like, "Yeah, I've been fighting with my mom. I fight with my brother. I fought, you know." And then when my brother had died last year, it was like we we stopped talking on bad terms. So I stopped talking to him, and then he passed away. So mm-hmm. like that still kind of bothers me. So I put it out there. I know putting it out there. But then come to find out, there's a whole bunch of people dealing with it as well. So now you open up the dialogue and now we can start at least having conversations so self-therapy uh, will work with other people like you. Uh, that's a 
that's a that's a good step into the right direction in my opinion. Yeah. And and that that's the funny thing too, because whenever you mentioned that, like how how long you would stay at the radio station. Yeah. My job was one of the production people, right? So like I'm there, I gotta be there like eight o'clock in the morning so I can start doing the commercials, which if you ever get into radio, don't do that. No, it's, don't do it. No, it's it's trash. Yeah. <laughs> it's trash. I did it too. It's trash. Yeah, twenty seven thousand dollars a year ain't uh, ain't worth that, especially whenever you got to pay insurance. <laughs> hey, you're taking home sixteen thousand, but I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on that. <laughs> you ain't lying I, though. Thank God I got a good job now. That's all I'm gonna say. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but but like I, I was in that same boat, right? Like like I. I, I love my life. Like I love my wife. I love my kids. You know, we were, we're here. We, we just bought a house, but I found myself like wanting to just stay there at the radio station because it was like, like, like I, I found some sort of pleasure in just being there alone, especially during the pandemic. Right. right. Where I'm, I, I was there eight o'clock in the morning. I would leave like at nine, 10 o'clock at night. Right. And that, that, like, that's not, that's not good for your family and stuff like that. So whenever I got laid off and I was forced to be home, I was sad because like I was missing the radio. Like that became such a big part of your identity. Right. And that's whenever I made the decision, like, look, I'm gonna take this seriously. I'm gonna talk to somebody about it. And even though I got like the diagnosis and all that stuff and like the medication back in December, yeah. literally last week is whenever I decided, you know what, I'm gonna start taking this medication because something still ain't right up there. So I gotta find a way to at least try, like at least make that effort. Right, 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 right. But but I don't want the show to turn into this. Like this this turned into basically me and you on a therapy couch talking to each other. <laughs> but you know what? It's 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 the best thing because, uh, like I said, I don't think people know uh, what people go through and how much uh, BS that we we endure to try to entertain people. You know, and I could imagine if I was on a, a national scale. Uh, doing shows, I probably wouldn't care as much because now it becomes impersonal. But when being on the radio and you're you're personal with these people, try your best not to offend, but you end up doing it anyway. Um, and sometimes you just got to keep it moving. And as long as you just keep it moving, you're you're okay, you know. And uh, I I'm always open. I did an interview with uh, Fifth Found. A while, like a, not too long ago, about the police thing, and uh, people were angry because I was anti-police, and I was like, "Well, I'm always going to be anti-police." You know, um, change the narrative. I was like, "Have the have the military train train these guys," you know, because I'm just saying, like, the training regiment is terrible. So, you know, when I talk about it, it's like they thought they were going to get a joking who haven't. It's Sometimes it doesn't, <laughs> I want people to really see, you know, there's more out there than jokes sometimes, you know yeah. what I mean? Especially yeah. whenever, especially whenever it comes to that stuff, because like, but like it, it ain't just a statistic, you know what I mean? Like, like you, you can't just sit back and like, in like the, what the last week have three incidents, like what we've seen right. and then you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. There's nothing there. You know right. what I mean? But, and, and but like you mentioned it a little bit earlier, you're talking about like training and all that stuff. A taser is much lighter than an actual pistol. Like, right. like I don't know how many. Like, I don't know who needs to feel like hear that stuff. But like, wh whenever I see something like that, man, it, it's absolutely disgusting. I can imagine what goes through your head as well. Right. And you're right, like, like something has to change. Something needs to change. It, 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 it's definitely. I mean, I dealt with it my whole life to the point you become desensitized. Uh, when stepson wants to be a cop, he actually here, here's the difference though. He actually went and got his degree in criminal justice and in psychology. So, I, you know, a lot of these police don't have that that education behind them, you know, and they don't understand people's psyche. They don't understand certain things. And so I was all for him uh, trying to be, become a cop because I was like, well, you, you put a lot of thought in it. You know, it's not a job to you. If you're going to change the game, then, you know, hopefully you can change the narrative. So I'm all for that. It's just, you know, people scream about, well, you know, the part that really make, makes me angry is comply, comply, comply. And it just doesn't, you know, the first thing I think of is, uh, and I, I don't mean to do this, but first thing I think of is, you know, the Jim Crow era or back during slavery when the police department was actually 
created and they were created to catch slaves and either kill them or hang them. And that still is the same theory to today, even though it's not as blatant. So when you look at it and you're saying comply, it's like, you you know, comply means obey. And, you know, uh, Karis One had this song called Sound of the Police and he said the most genius line to me. He's like, he tried to make a clear example of the word police. So he's like, you know, let me show you this example. Overseer, 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 officer, 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 officer. And if you say it fast, overseer sounds like officer. So that always stuck with me, you know? And, you know, a lot of you, some of these cops that I actually know that I don't get along with, I remember them in high school. They weren't tough. So I know you got a job because you wanted to be tough. You know, you wanted the respect. To me, that's not the way to do it. And then, you know, like that girl with this last shooting with Dante Wright, uh, they try to use it as she was kind of shook. And I'm like, if you're scared, you can't be no cop, man. I was like, I swear, like I, I grew up around military. So, and I never, that's why I never became a, a soldier. But I knew for a fact that there's a lot of psychology within a field soldier, you know what I'm saying? With, you know, them being on the ground. And I'm like, so they know when not to pull the trigger or not, even though, you know, being in the Middle East, you don't know what you're going to expect, you know? Kid walk up with a bomb, strap, what decision you got to make? I never want to be through that. But you have to handle it with certain uh, certain professionalism. You can't be scared of some little black kid. You know, he wasn't even old. That's the sad part. He wasn't abrasive. And, and then the whole taser, <laughs> the whole taser and gun thing, I know what those both feel like. You know, I, I own a gun. I know my gun is way heavier than a piece of plastic. You get what I'm saying? That taser is a piece of plastic. So, you know, people are going to believe in what they want to until it happens to them. And then they want people like us to defend it. And I don't know if I care enough because you already, you know, put it out there that you didn't care about not nobody in my life. You know what I'm saying? Why should I care about yours? I'm not going to say it out loud. I'm just going to just, oh, okay. I'm going to like, just go over there. It's like, welcome to the party. Yep. You preach it to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> my dude poo have hanging out with me here on uh on sunset stories i appreciate you taking the time out of your day man um i'm hoping that maybe we can get together another time and it could be a, a, a little more lighter topics than what we were talking about today <laughs> well we got we got that out the way so now next time i'll invite you on my show and you yeah. could you could talk about you could piss somebody off on my show you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about it, man. One of the weirdest things that happened to me whenever I first got into radio was someone called in and was like, you need to stop taking testosterone because you got a deep voice. Right. I, said, I thought to myself, I thought that's what people wanted on radio was to do with the deep voice. Like how, and now I got like super self-conscious about that. I was like, what the fuck am I doing, man? Like, why am I, why am I worried about the way that this dude thinks I sound? Right. And it's a guy doing it. So it's like, well, ask your girlfriend if she like it, you know what I'm saying? And then they get mad because the girlfriend ain't got nothing bad to say. <laughs> but the dudes always mad. That's that was my number one fight. They they would tell me I sound like Cookie Monster and all that. And I'm like, yeah, I do. But but your girl likes it. And boy, they get they get offended. But I'm like, you 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 started that conversation. You opened up that door. So you open up that door, you gotta take what comes through that door, man, because I'm gonna come at you. And I will be personal. I'll be like, your kids like me. They probably like me better than they like you. You probably you, you probably turn the radio station when you hear my voice because you don't want your kids and your girl or your wife being like, oh, you know, and it's always like that. As long as a girl like you, who cares what these dudes say? The, dudes are the most opinionated people on the planet Earth, and they have no reason. Like, they count people's pockets. They'll get on there and talk about, well, y'all, y'all are going to do is get a stimulus check and spend it on this. Where is that in your, your business? That's not your business. Like, you, they, they don't help. Like, I always say, Yo, you put your man, because I looked at some of my bills I need to be paid. So if you want to be in my business, you know, 
I booked a cruise. Oh, you booked a cruise with your stimulus? Yeah, man. And I think I need a freaking vacation. I, I've been home. I've been home for a straight year. I haven't gone nowhere. So until last week and still was scared to be out there. So yeah, I'm going to take the trip. Thank I, you. Uh, see, see what I told people is like, look, I saved part of that stimulus check, but that's because I'm waiting until uh, uh, April 28th, whenever the tickets for the Dallas Cowboys go on sale. Cause I'm going to that Thanksgiving game. Like I've been doing. <laughs> oh yeah. See, it, it doesn't matter what you're getting that stimulus for. That's a, mm-hmm. the money goes back into it. So it's like, stop dudes. And it's all dudes. But I think that's why I never wanted to do sports talk because as much as I wanted to, I even tried to get a job at ESPN in Atlanta one time. And I practiced for it and everything, but boy, dudes are the biggest haters, man. And it's like, Jesus Christ. I was like, I don't want to do this. I want to be around females. So the the next time that like we hang out or we do anything like that, I've got to get like the poo half version of like just a sports hit, like 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 what the San Antonio Spurs did, Marcus Aldridge retiring today, like like that's what I'm gonna need the next time we hang out. I gotta have like the the buttoned up sports delivery. I want to see what that's gonna sound like. I, I can definitely do it. I'm kind of upset. The uh, Marcus Aldridge was my favorite power forward, other than uh, Rasheed Wallace. Those are my two favorite power forwards in the game. Over and, Tim, huh? Over Tim Duncan? You're gonna put that over Tim? You're gonna you're gonna come on this show and put him over Tim Duncan? Yeah, and the reason why Tim Duncan didn't really start busting threes in the beginning of his career, you know, that was later. Aldridge was already doing that when he was at Texas. So, and as you gotta understand, I follow Aldridge from all the way from Texas. So. I think Tim Duncan is one of the best power forwards. This is not my favorite, but he's one of the best. My favorite is Aldridge. Well, technically, is Rasheed Wallace. You got to understand, I'm a defensive-minded guy, and I rather I love defend. Like I'm a guy that likes Michael Cooper. Nobody even cared about Michael Cooper. He was putting up three points a game, but his defensive stats was ridiculous. I'm just more like I, I'm not a big, even though I played point and uh, shooting guard in high school and college. Um, I didn't really want to be that, but I was six four. And what I keep trying to tell people, that's not tall at the time. That's not tall, man. That's I'm like five three to these guys. And so I wanted, I learned how to play a power forward game as a guard. So I'll post up on your ass. So. I paid attention to more defenders, and that's why uh, Wallace was my my go to. That's that. I even got a pair of shoes that they didn't even that that uh, they only made a hundred pair, and they're Nike Air Force Ones, and they're Rasheed Wallaces, and they only made a hundred, but I got a pair. So, but Tim Duncan don't have no nice shoes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's that's one hundred. I I bought a pair of Tim Duncan's that were like Adidas from like two thousand two, and nah, yeah, they weren't popping. Nah. Like, <laughs> like Kobe's Adidas deal was terrible too. I was like, my 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 sons uh, for Christmas. I thought this was the coolest. Is they bought me uh, these special edition Kobe Bryant's, and I was never a fan of Kobe Bryant shoes anyway. But these particular shoes were just off the chain. It came with a. Uh, this metal or just like a badge of valor type thing. Like it came with a whole, I don't even wear them because that was, and you know, I was a, out of every basketball player, I was a Kobe Bryant fan. I was that guy in 1995 when he was at Lower Marion that I was telling everybody, yo, you see this dude's tapes? You see, he's not going to college. I would tell people that because everybody saw the tapes when he was in high school. I was like, he's not going to go. And you got to remember it was only like a generational type thing where kids were going straight to the NBA. Like, you know, Sean Kemp was one, but you can't really name a whole bunch of them at mm-hmm. the time. You know, it was like every generation you had that one, like LeBron. LeBron was technically the last guy that came into the league without going to college or anything. That was and, good. Yeah. And, and they actually changed the rules because of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, Man, I could go on and on about hoop, man. Like that, like there's people that I do like that I think that are amazing, and I do think there is people that are out there that's overrated. Uh, Kobe, you got to see him when he didn't even start. 
know, he wasn't even that good. You know, what's his name? Derek Fisher was technically better than Kobe in the beginning. You know, I'm just saying in the very beginning, Derek Fisher had a better role than Kobe did because you had Shaq. And and people got to remember, like, young Kobe Bryant, rookie Kobe Bryant, missed those two threes against Utah. Like, we sent them to overtime and would have won the game in overtime. He misses them. They lose. Utah goes to the the NBA Finals, gets slapped around by Jordan, right? Right, exactly. Everybody wanted to see that. Everybody wanted to see the Lakers and the the Bulls go at it one last time for uh, Jordan. That's true. But but Kobe bounced back like like he didn't let that define him. He was like what twenty years old, nineteen years old yeah. at that time. Like to bounce yeah. back the way he did, that was just a different type of dude, man. I hated him. I hated him right. not because he was with the Lakers, but because he took Brandy to prom, and I wanted her to be my prom date. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because I really learned that a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, that's cool. But I forgot that they were trying to oversell Kobe. Uh, as a kid, they were trying to oversell them, and I was like, "That's why I, ha- I actually, uh, with my record collection, I actually have one of his albums." And Phil Jackson told uh, Kobe and uh, Shaq, "Do you want to make movies, uh, make records, or do you want to win a championship?" Mm-hmm. They had to choose. That's why you stopped seeing all that nonsense they were doing, and they won that championship. Like to this day, nobody's going to touch two thousand, two thousand one Lakers. Nobody in history, you know, like we, that three people was a domination, you know what I'm saying? And it was, there was nobody that could mess with us. The only thing that messed with us was 2003, 2004, when we acquired all these old heads that, um, Gary never won a championship. Yeah. yeah, well, they never had a championship, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. they thought they were going to come on the team and get this easy championship. And then you used to look at this grimy, grungy Detroit. And it was grimy, these dudes. I was like, yo, that's the team where everybody on that team is a reject and got kicked out of their team. You don't think they're hungry? Like, they were – I actually watched it, and I was like, we're not going to win. I put $3,000 uh, Vegas bet, put $3,000 down. I went to work. The last game. And Mark, Mark is from Chicago, so he he's real – Midwest, you know, he likes, you know, Chicago, anything Midwest, Minnesota, uh, Milwaukee, you know, he'll ride from, he don't even know who plays for these teams. <laughs> I hate people like that too. But he, when they, when LA lost, I started crying. And Mark didn't care. So Mark comes to work the next day with a Detroit Princeton with <laughs> Wallace jersey. Never seen it before. I was like, where the fuck did you get that, that jersey? Never seen him wear that jersey. And he was like, I was waiting. I had it. I was waiting for this day. And he came in. I was like, Mark, I lost $3,000, man. I lost three, like 3000 is 3000 I lost that. You know, like, ugh, that was a that was a come up. I was DJing like 10 times a week just to get that money back. But what they're doing with the Brooklyn Nets, I feel it's the same thing. And so I'm like, yeah, you're going to. Everybody's on their coattail right now because of who's there. But you got to remember, there's no defenders on the team except for maybe DeAndre Jordan and maybe two others. Uh, all of them are shooters. All of them demand the ball. And watch what happens when the pressure is taken. That's what happened with Portland. Portland has some great shooters, but what's his name? Decided to take all the shots, and that's why we beat the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we beat Portland last year, we beat the hell out of them. Everybody saw the first game. I was like, one dude's not going to be able to do it. Even though you got shooters on your team, you're not letting them do the touches. You got five solidified shooters, but you're not even utilizing it. You're using Dame Dame Dollar. And I'm like, it's cool, but those days is not popping like that no more. You know, this isn't Jordan era. You know, Jordan couldn't do it by himself. He had Scottie Pippen, Bill Cartwright, uh, uh, Dennis Rodman, because he had defenders on his squad. In order for him to work it, Portland didn't have it. Portland reminded me of the 2000 uh, Philadelphia uh, 76ers. Yep. They, they beat the hell out of us that first game, and then we just dominated their asses because we knew how to take care of Iverson because nobody else was going to touch that ball. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, right, we could go out for hours on that, one, on that topic alone. <laughs> like, 
But I, I think as you were talking, I was like starting to see like just a Lakers uniform drop down on you, man. <laughs> oh, look, I'm I'm, I'm I'm so serious. Like, hold on, oops. Uh, this, I got eight Kobe Bryant jersey. I have an all white one. I have a yellow one. I have a black one. I have this one. I got all kind of Kobe Bryant jerseys, man. For real, about my, like people hate it, but I'm like, how do you hate something that's great, man? Like you just, yeah. just can't be angry. Like I know people hate it. What's that dude that scored 100 points? Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. How many people do you think he played? And this is what I said. First of all, he was a seven foot dude amongst dudes that were five ten. <laughs> You don't think that I'd be able to shut down uh, Will Chamberlain? You don't think I, I could do that? I, I, I'm just saying he's seven foot. I don't know if you ever stood next to somebody who's seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. I played against dudes that were seven feet tall, and that's like, oh, my God. Like, you have to learn how to be a jump shooter, man, because you, you're not taking it in the hole, you know? And so people like Kobe being able to duck over a seven-footer, you're like, I knew I couldn't do it. So – Man, I just telling you, I could go on and on and on about about hoop. Like hoop is my thing, man. And like I follow a lot of high school basketball. Like one of my uh, closest friends is a head coach at. Like all of friends that I grew up with are coaches. So uh, one of my friends is the head coach at uh, Chapin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have another one that's a head head coach for the women's team at Andrews. I got. Bill Churchill, that's the head coach at Del Valle. Jesse Vela, uh, Montwood. Like, I'm good. Like, these are my, like, brothers. And I'll watch how they coach. All of them teach defensive tactics, man. Like, nobody can beat these guys. Nobody can beat these people, man. My man at El Paso High, they all follow the same regiment, you know. Welton Richardson at Santa Teresa, even though they lose games, they still are a competitive team. So I could go on. I can go from high school to college. Well, not really college. You might get me on college though. <laughs> so high school to the NBA. You're like you're like old school NBA. You're like Kobe. I just go high school straight to the NBA. Yeah, like because I, I already know these kids is only doing one and done. So it's like, why follow these schools like that when I know they're not gonna they're gonna have a new a new guy the next year. So I just I just watch it, watch it. Like I I enjoy it to watch it, but I don't have no nothing to say about it. Well, and a lot of people don't realize this. There's a kid here in El Paso that plays a Chapin, KJ Lewis, that's like yeah. top 25 on ESPN's high school prospects. Like that kid, if 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 he just stays healthy, he's going to the NBA. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And, and he was trained by Rodney Lewis or Coach Rodney. And people don't know that Rodney played basketball as well in college. And he was like a Rashad, I mean, a Rashid Wallace type guy like he's not a little guy he's i think he's about two inches taller than me but he's not he's he's a threat as an old man well he's not old he's still in his 40s but as an old man he'll d up against these guys and if you can't beat coach you don't deserve to be on the and so uh this lewis kid i i really hope because you know we all rode for for old boy but he had passed away he was in that car accident um the one that went to Chapin, that was like number two in the state mm-hmm. in football and basketball. He was like number one in basketball, number two in the state in football. Uh, he, he, uh, we had, you know, he went to Maryland. He was the one that had that real big game winner, and uh, we were we were riding for that dude. Like there was a couple. I always said that El Paso is not known for football. Care what anybody says, it's a hoop. It's a hoop town. Yeah. We produce more basketball players. I mean, true. Andres and Eastwood and uh and Americas and, and El Dorado, they do produce football players. They do. Uh but you these guys that play basketball, like UTEP, everybody's like, I'm like, UTEP never had a football team, man. To be honest with you. They did, but not I mean the bowl games they were going to. I, I watched the bowl game. This is why Brett Favre is my favorite football player. Because he spanked the hell out of UTEP at the Independence Bowl. <laughs> I said, who's this white dude 
just tearing it up. Like I bugged out. I remember, I think he got drafted to Atlanta. And then when he got drafted to, I mean, when they did the trade to Green Bay, Green Bay, I was like, oh man, this dude is amazing. Cause he was dope, man. And shit, I can go on, man. I like, but UTEP wasn't known for football. Like, they're known for football. People want to believe El Paso's got football, but we don't. We're not, like, right now with Franklin and maybe El Dorado and, and Pebble Hills and some of those high schools with football are being competitive to these uh, state schools that are number one in the nation, number two in the nation. They're being competitive. Great. You know, you had Jack Fields, you had all these guys. But Basketball, though, jeez. When you talk about Utah basketball, like, you you, you could, you know, everybody talks about 66. I'm sitting here like, man, that's just, that's just when they won a championship. Y'all didn't even know what happened the next year. Next year, uh, they were just as dope. They just barely lost in the, in the, uh, in the uh, Final Four anyway. Like, they were already, they were dope for years. They just don't talk about that. And I'm like, you know, uh, Tiny Archibald, which I, I know uh, personally. Well, I know I knew his daughter. Uh, when Tiny when Tiny came to Utah, and I saw the like the tape, I was like, man, this guy here, you know, Tim Hardaway. You know, when I saw that team with Tim Hardaway, Antonio Davis, uh, 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 Greg Foster, and all them. Uh, you look and you're like, there was nobody beating these guys, <laughs> man. And all of them got drafted. All of them technically got drafted to the NBA. Now, whether they stayed or not, you know, I would say that Tim Hardaway had the best out of everybody's career, but everybody had a career. That's why I was like, I would like Greg Foster to be the new head coach for Utah. I'm just going to leave it there. I want him to be the new head coach for Utah, even though I think he's an asshole. <laughs> I think he's a great coach. He, he is. He's an asshole, but great coach. Great coach. Well, I mean, Utah already hired their dude, old dude from uh, Abilene Christian, and I think he's going to leave in like two years. So maybe we get Greg Foster back. So we'll see how that goes. I hope. I hope. I mean, take Doc, Doc Sadler off that list, please. You know, I don't even know why he was on the list, but. Well, what what about my dude Omar Thomas? Like he's he's a, a an assistant coach down there at Pebble Hills, you know, played for UTEP. Like, you know, well, look at look at look at he he put up he got numbers, man. You know, uh, Pebble Hills. See Jesse, the one that's the head coach at uh, Montwood, started at Pebble Hills before mm-hmm. Thomas took the job, and he already laid down the Jesse already kind of like laid down the ground groundwork, kind of like. Uh, Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr. All Steve Kerr really had to do was maintain that energy, and this dude did that. Did that. So, all we need right now with UTEP is a better recruiting. If we could just get the right recruiting, and stop going after these uh, kids that are going to be one and done and all that, I would really look at these uh, kid, these D2 kids. There's some D2 kids that are, that are amazing out there. They're amazing, but they're not getting that chance because they didn't get, you know, their grades were either terrible in high school or something like that. But there's some guys that are that are amazing. And if you look at the original UTEP minors when uh, Haskins got these kids, none of them kids was in college or anything. They were playing street ball, you know, so... What's wrong with like Haskins always had that type of energy, man. He was finding dudes that nobody ever heard of. And then they became big names. They became big names. Well, I've, I've been saying for like the longest time that UTEP needs to break some rules and get back on that national like level and then worry about the vacated losses like later on. No no one's gonna like no one cares about like the Fab Four or the Fab Five having to, like, vacate some wins, we still yeah. love the Fab Five, right? Like, that's what I feel like UTEP needs to do, but nobody wants to be with me on that bandwagon. No, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm definitely with you on that. Uh, I, I believe in breaking some rules, too, just to make a better squad. But, you know, I built my whole career off of breaking rules. So I'm with it. Like, let's go. Like, I, I really try to be a fan of UTEP, man, but it is hard. It is hard. 
It's, it's, it's hard. World. <laughs> it's hard, but you know, they, these kids need need us, man. So maybe their energy can change. They're they're walking out to an empty stadium, you know, and I wouldn't want to play either. It's like going to go play pickup, you know. Like how are we a D one school and we can't get a, a two hundred people in the and then the damn tickets are damn near free. Like what's wrong with you all El Paso? Just go. Take your family out. Fair you had to pay attention to a game. Just go. Fairweather fans, man. That's all it is. Fairweather fans. <sighs> but I'm glad I finally got somebody on my side. UTEP, let's break some rules. Let's get something going so we can have some energy back in the Haskins Center. My dude, Pooh, I, I got nothing but love for you, man. Thank you so much Thank for taking you. time out of your day. And uh, I'm going to send you a friend request on Facebook because I feel like we can do that now. Like I feel like I could be your friend on Facebook. I thought we were already friends. We're not friends. I don't think so. I, I, I'm going to have to check this out. Maybe you tagged like the wrong Mike Tipton in it. No, because your name is Mike Robert. Yeah, Michael Robert Tipton. Yeah, did I tag you on the... Hold on, let me check. Because you're right, I probably did. It's probably press is like, who the hell is this dude? Mike. <laughs> is it Michael or Mike? It's Michael Robert. Like I literally just sent you a friend request right now. Really? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I swore I knew you I knew we followed each other on Instagram. Yeah. On Instagram. Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. There's some guy looking at his at his uh at his phone right now, like, who the hell? I didn't I don't have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, you did send me the request. All right, so I already did it. Anytime you want me, I'm there. I'll plan out a show where I'll let you uh do your thing, man. Um I'll just sit back and let you do your thing, do your professionalism. I might not agree with everything, but hey, but hey, that's what I want. I don't, I don't want someone that's gonna be agreeing with me all the time. So let's. <laughs> <do it. laughs> all right, we're gonna make that happen, and we'll make it happen very soon. Uh, hopefully before June ends. Yes, sir.